This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and despite the rain and the sheer force of gravity, you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast, a virtual plethora of the people and ideas meandering the corridors of Orange City Council. Coming up in this week's episode... What can start out as an innocent attempt by an elderly person to help a family member can gradually turn into them being financially exploited? Which can start sort of quite small. It might just be mum or dad might like to help out with some school fees. And then it sort of, and it can be quite innocent, but then it sort of grows from there. And then it can get to the stage where that senior person doesn't have control of their own money. Doing the best thing and trying to support a grandchild and then it grows to taking advantage of a, a grandparent and you know, PIN numbers and um, delving into bank accounts. A new council program targeting elder abuse. That's coming up soon. But first up today, Orange City Council is trying hard to upgrade the city's CBD. But what about some of the high-profile buildings and shop fronts that are privately owned? This week's council meeting gave the go-ahead for the first four grants to be given to local building owners to help them restore the front of their shops. Comms team member Ellie Bryce has more. As part of Orange City Council's CBD revitalisation program, we've been running a program that offers assistance to our CBD building owners to revamp their building and make the main street look a little bit more vibrant. Um, We basically put the call out to any of our owners to say, look, we're happy to go halves in some of the costs, depending on what you'd like to do. A few of those applicants were successful at the last council meeting, four of them in total, one of them being Rhonda Single, who owns a a building in Summer Street, just next to the Commonwealth Bank. Rhonda, talk us through why you wanted, I guess, or why you were interested in the funding that was available. Well, it's a great opportunity to, um, to have a little bit of funding, you know, to help along the way. Um... And also because the building has had a sign there that's been there since way before I purchased this, the um, building, which needed to come down. And um, it's often discussed, in, um, as I hear in town, the, um, the um, big sign. So the sign's coming down. And, and also to do the painting just to make the place look nicer. Yeah, so Rhonda, when you say that sign, can you explain to people, we're obviously talking about the building next to Benson's or that building, um, and there's a big old jeweller's sign up above there, isn't there? That's correct, and it goes across the top of the um, facade and right down the front of the facade on the top level. And it's um, been, it was there at, when it was a jeweller's, which is many, many years ago now. So it's time it came down. Yeah, it doesn't quite match what the businesses are at the moment. <laughs> well, no. Well, it does not match what the businesses are. And some people think it looks great and say it's part of orange, but... Um, a lot of people don't agree, and I don't agree either. So I think that yeah, and you've got to keep up with the new tenants and things as well. Ah, exactly, exactly. And for the Summer Street um, streetscape, I think it's going to be better without. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about the benefit of Summer Street streetscape, talk us through what else you hope to, um, to hope to do with this new work. Well, the sign will come down, and the facade at the top will be repainted. And then there's a little section at the side that's just had signage from people who have rented the premises. 
Um, now that will be um, possibly tiled and that will make the front of the shop. So downstairs and upstairs is all going to be um, brought up to date, really. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Rhonda, why, I guess, if this is the case, do you think it's important for us to keep Summer Street and the rest of the CBD, you know, up with the times and looking new and obviously presentable, I guess? Look, I think we have a lot of people coming to town. We have a lot of a lot of visitors and they all stop in Summer Street. And I think it's really important that um, everything in Summer Street is looking beautiful. Like we have the lights of a night. We just need the buildings to um, bring it up to that standard of a day, I think. And obviously we've got a um, September deadline. So you're keen to, I guess, get in and get it done? Can't wait to see it done. I think it's going to be amazing. And um, hopefully that it'll work out that it'll all be done by September. And it should be, so looking forward to it. Mm. Rhonda, I guess the other part of this is that not only do we make it more attractive for visitors and just, you know, the general aesthetics, is it also a way for you to make sure your building is attractive to new tenants? You know, I know that one side of your building is vacant at the moment, so is that something that you think will be appealing to new businesses to make sure we don't have empty shop fronts as well? I actually think that's one of the big things in this instance where 242 Summer Street is vacant and is on the rental market. And I think when um, it is tenanted, it will be much nicer. And, and, you know, it makes people proud if where they are is looking great. I mean, that's what they want, you know, and have it all looking up to standard and make them feel like their business is how they want it to look. I'd just like to say thank you to the Orange City Council and because this has been, this is an amazing thing for Orange and to help um, um, uh, landowners and I think that I've been helped by the council, by you, by um, Nick Redmond, by um, Jack Evans and all, or I wouldn't have even known about this and everybody has been um, so caring and so helpful so I say thank you. No, thank you. And look, we also put the call out to anyone else that might be interested in this. And although we do have to work with the building owners, it's it's you know it's still open to those that are tenants. They could always you know get the get their application form to their to their landlords and say, look, this is something council's willing to help pitch in in financially. So it might be a, something they're thinking about, but something they haven't acted on because. You know, they're not quite there with the funds, but if, you know, almost half of it could be paid for, it might be something that a landlord's willing to um, willing to be involved in. So we ask that if anyone is keen on this idea to please get in touch with council. Commerce team member Ellie Bryce was talking to building owner Rhonda Single. And you're listening to The Orange Podcast. As more and more Australians get older the problem of elder abuse gets potentially bigger. In response, a new collaborative group of councils from across central West New South Wales is trying hard to boost awareness of what can happen and how to prevent it. And a public launch is planned in the coming days. Council staff member Kim McLean outlines what the most common forms of elder abuse can be. There's five different areas that um, abuse is identified and that's psychological um, and financial, physical, sexual and also neglect. And one of the prominent ones is financial which can start sort of quite small and it might just be 
Um, mum or dad might like to help out with some school fees or to help pay such and such. And then it sort of, and it can be quite innocent, but then it sort of grows from there. And then it can get to the stage where um, uh, that senior person doesn't have control of their own money, um, whether it's through um, a family member or even trying to doing the best thing and trying to support a grandchild. And then it grows to so taking advantage of a, a grandparent and you know pin numbers and um, delving into bank accounts which mm-hmm. without authorization. So it can grow from there. Okay, so it starts off with mum and dad wanting to help out with some school fees and it could progress to the point where their son or daughter has access to their bank card and is helping themselves to all manner of things. Is that, yeah? That's right. And um, in terms of um, neglect, it can just be that um, family members are not taking mum or dad to specialist appointments um, and just thinking, oh, no, no, see how she goes or see how he goes. We don't need to go to a specialist. We'll just see if they can get over that. So unfortunately, it does happen and neglect can stem just from those sorts of things. What are some of the signs I should be looking out for, particularly things like financial abuse? That's pretty difficult to spot when someone, it looks like someone's just helping out their grandchild. So some signs to look for is when an older person doesn't feel comfortable about talking about a specific topic. Uh, or when uh, someone, when a family member is in the room with them, um, if you can get them by themselves and they're happy to talk about it. Um, and it's just engage in conversation. But a sign is that if they're not happy to talk about it or they, you know, they're just, you can see they're uncomfortable, then, you know, you can see that maybe something might be wrong. And then just ask them, is, it, is everything going Okay. Um, and then if not, then there's avenues that they can look into. But it always needs, to take it any further, it always needs the authorisation of the person who is potentially being abused. Nothing can go ahead, even with the commission, nothing can go ahead until you know that, that authorisation is given because the commission is there to try and safeguard seniors, neglect for seniors, and it needs that authorisation and it's not coming in heavy-handed or anything like that. Um, it's just trying to uh, resurrect maybe relationships that have gone a little bit wayward because the, the aim is to get the older member in a safer position than they were when the abuse was occurring. That sounds really tricky, especially if the victim of this abuse um, is hesitant to agree to make a complaint or to speak about it or is not in a capacity to speak about it. How? What are the options then? That's true. It is tricky, um, Nicole, because a lot of people, a lot of seniors don't like to talk about it and they realise it might be happening, um, but they just let it go. And, and that's unfortunately where it gets um, you know, to a, to a larger stage and, and needs something to be done about it. And other family, that's where other family members might help and, and um, uh, to explore what's happening further with, with brothers or sisters or with other family members and where abuse might be occurring, especially that financial abuse. If I suspect that there's something going on with someone I know, what do I do? Once I've had this chat with them, um, I'm still convinced that there's something going on. Is can I? Is there a phone number I can ring, or do I speak to you? How do I go about solving this problem? So there is a helpline, the Aging and Disability Helpline, and that number is one eight hundred six two eight 
221 and it can just be um, a phone call to that helpline and just ask a question. It, it might be someone who might be concerned about a next door neighbour and say, look, I'm just wondering, I'm just ringing up to see, I've, I've noticed that and I don't know whether it is actually abuse happening or not and then they will be able to make contact or and then, you know, take it further. And so what's your role, Kim? Are you able to help out at all? I am. So I'm Team Leader Ageing and Sector Support um, of the Commonwealth Home Support Program based with Orient City Council. And um, anyone can give me a call as well. I'm also Chair of the Central West Collaborative. And if anyone is unsure and just wants to, to ask any questions or, or take anything further, my number is 63938967. And I'm happy to, to field any, any calls in that first instance. And then, and then we can go to the, the helpline from there. So on Thursday at the uh, CWA Hall in Robertson Park, we have a Seniors Expo. Can you uh, detail for me some of the services that might be available? We've got representatives from different service providers coming to um, man their tables, their information stalls, to be able to talk to seniors about services for seniors in the community um, living in their own home that they'll be able to avail of. There's lots of um, different services that the government offers under the aged care framework. And this is an opportunity to come and have a chat to those people that really know their stuff about different areas and, um, yep, take the opportunity and the time. So there's Live Better with um, Care Gateway Services. There's Western um, Local Area Health representatives. There's also the Uniting with the Seniors Gym. They're going to be conducting um, uh, blood pressure checks and just upper body strength and just talking about services that the gym can offer. There's also legal aid, and there's our council choices at home for Meals on Wheels, and also helping to uh, how to navigate the My Age Care system, because it can be a bit daunting. What are some of the services or topics that people from, say, legal aid or your financial counsellors, what advice might they be giving seniors on Thursday? So they'll be talking about uh, making a will or the benefits of making a formal will, the powers of attorney, um, enduring guardianship and um, also scams, lots of scams going around at the moment that people are falling into. I also hear there's a special guest coming on Thursday. Can you tell me who that might be? There is. We're very excited. It's Mr Robert Fitzgerald. He's the um, Ageing Disability Commissioner. And when the collaborative first started last year, in July last year, um, the commissioner was made aware of the, our Central West Collaborative and he said, when you have your formal launch, please invite me as I'd love to come. So um, we, have, we are having our formal launch on Thursday and I know it's in winter in orange and it might snow, but uh, hopefully the commissioner will still be able to get here. He's very excited about it. That we, we do need bookings because it's a COVID safe event so we are limited to space in the CWA hall and uh, which is in Robertson Park so just across the road from Orion City Council the CWA hall on Thursday and it starts at 10 o'clock and goes through to 12 o'clock so um, the commissioner will be uh, doing the launch around about 10 30 we'll have a welcome to country and also our mayor will be talking about um, seniors and safety in the city as well. Kim McLean was talking to comms team member Nicole Taylor. And now for a wrap of the week at Orange City Council, CEO Dave Waddell. Dave, you had a council meeting this week. Um, you finally got the budget through and passed and adopted after being out for community discussion for a while. 
Yeah, it was good. That's always a nervous moment for us. Getting the budget through in June is the key. Um, yes, council were really good. Um, I like to think we briefed them really well, but they, they were they were very good this year and um, a lot of exciting stuff in there. But yes, good to get it through. Lots of big projects. Keep keeping on with the the pace set last year seems to be the theme of it. It was the decision was made by council. We put it to them: what sort of budget do you want? And they said, well, look, we'd like to keep building. We'd like to keep stimulating the economy. We don't mind running a second deficit budget, not as big as last time, but that's the journey we're on. And um, and rate pays of orange, you'll see more stuff being built, including a conservatorium. So last time I heard that we were still short of money, where's the extra $5 million coming from, Dave? Well, you remember that the federal government gave us $10 million for the conservatorium. We needed another nine or 10. Council has now voted to provide that themselves, remembering, of course, they'll get to sell the old conservatorium site. So effectively, councillors said, we will fund it from either loans or our own reserves. The project can go ahead. We're about to go out to detailed design. You'll see this built next year. At least make a start, or will it be completed, do you think? Oh, no, it'll be, I reckon, predicting half half built by the end of next year. Yeah. So it's an exciting building. It'll be great. Um, Orange City Council has tried hard in the last little while with um, to get renewable energy. We're putting solar panels on various buildings. But this week, meeting this week decided to, to change the way it buys power off the grid. Well, that's right. Yeah, we're chipping away ourselves and we're up to about, I don't know, 5 6% of renewables through our own programs. What we do every three years is with the other councils in the region, we go buy electricity contracts from the grid. What we've said is when we go to the market, we want the market to give us a 50% renewable package when they give us electricity and do it without making it more expensive. And we'll get that. I predict we'll get that next year, which would overnight make us a 50% renewable operation. That's been harder to get in the past? Um, It's been... The market's pretty funny at the moment it's settling down a lot more renewables coming on the market we're very confident we'll get we'll get a, a, a good price including a 50 percent renewable also in the renewable space uh, council has done some work to to find out how much single-use plastics we're actually using we'd like to um, we've come up with a strategy to try and reduce that that's right yeah that was uh, adopted on tuesday single-use plastic strategy so council's going to try to lead the way and stop using drinking straws and single-use plastic bags and things. Why not? Someone's got to do it. Seems we waste so much plastic, don't we? One of the other projects approved at council meeting on Tuesday night, um, part of the Future City Plan, we'd like to improve the way facades look in Summer Street. If someone comes from from Sydney, they love the buildings, but some of them look a bit tatty. Some of the paintwork's a bit hard. We're going to give some local businesses some some subsidy to do that. We do, yeah, and particularly if you look up, you see that there's some there's some work required. Council put aside $200,000, we said, to all the main street or any of those side streets, if you've got a building that needs tarting up and you haven't got the money, we'll go your halves. So so on Tuesday night, I think we had four properties um, and they've said, yeah, we'd love to go halves. So we'll, we'll gradually start chipping away and we'll see um, the main street lifted. Yeah. Just another thing we're trying to do with this future city. Earlier in the program today, we heard from the owner of the what you'd loosely call the Benson's Coffee Shop building. Oh, yeah. She's look, very much looking forward to the top layer of that pulling down an old mid-state jewellers sign and tarting up that building. One of many people who just thinks it's a, it, it's good for the town if, if everything looks fresh and new. Yeah, I think it's no-brainer, as they say. We're also putting some money into some music concerts. In the past, we've had concerts in the park as part of Future City. Why is it a good idea to try and offer them to local music venues to put them indoors? Oh, we've always had this idea that, you know, music 
and uh, particularly working with the conservatorium should be part of our city's offering that you should come, you know, come tourists should come and they should hear music and locals should hear music. We've done it on a large scale. Now we want to do it on a smaller scale. So if you're a venue that says, well, I wouldn't mind a string quartet on a Saturday morning, well, council's here for you. I think we funded 24. The other big news on Tuesday night was two huge bits of news was um, the World Jousting Championship is coming to Orange in 22, 23, but also I think Lime Cordial as part of a, what was that festival called? Squeeze. Squeeze Festival. Yeah. We're getting Lime Cordial next year. Are you a Lime Cordial fan, Dave? I reckon I will be have by then. All, have you got all their albums? I will, I will by then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. Way to go. Um, are we any closer to a decision on Bloomfield Trees? Do we know when we'll be making that decision yet? Um, all I can tell you is that the Heritage Council had their final meeting this week and we'll hear on Monday um, their final result which would then input to our DA report, which would then go to the extraordinary meeting. Ask me to guess, June the 20th. Yeah, somewhere later. be an extraordinary Later meeting. this month, the yeah. council would likely to make a decision. Correct. Way to go. That's all for the weekend. Thanks for coming in, Dave. Stay warm, Al. It's freezing out there. And thanks for joining us for the show this week. Remember, you can download this show from the Orange City Council website anytime or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.